Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And a good afternoon, everybody. I hope that you are doing well. Uh, thanks for hanging around for a couple of hours. I had to switch to uh, 5 o'clock Pacific. How about the AFC West, huh? Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, and now Russell Wilson. How about this deal? Russell Wilson goes to the Broncos for Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first-rounders this year, number nine, then next year, two second-round picks this year and next year, and a 2022 fifth-round pick. How about that? You get Wilson and a 2022 fourth-round pick in return. Talk about a big-time deal. How do you rate the quarterbacks now in the AFC West? I mean, obviously, you got to go with Mahomes 1. You go Wilson 2. Personally, I would take Herbert over Carr, but it's neck and neck right now. And, you know, you're talking about a guy that was a pro bowler nine times in 10 years, got to the Super Bowl twice, won once, and now the Denver Broncos feel like they've got a legitimate chance to go to the big show. How about that deal? And then you have Aaron Rodgers, I'm not surprised, staying in Green Bay. They also gave the franchise tag to Devontae Adams. I mean, we all knew there was absolutely no way that Rodgers was going to Green Bay without one of the very best, if not the best wide receivers in football in Devontae Adams. So, you know, things falling into place a little bit, but I want to know what you think about that big deal with Russell Wilson leaving the NFC West Seattle now is going to go in a rebuilding mode. And if they draft well, and again, if they draft well, they might find themselves right back up in the big, big, big stage. Because you know what? They have a tremendous organization. They have a tremendous, I think, coaching staff. You know, you can criticize Pete Carroll for, you know, what happened in the Super Bowl against New England. But... The guy's a good coach. And again, if they draft well, uh, they really should be right back up where they want to be. It's not going to happen overnight, uh, but it can definitely happen. All right, I want to hear from you. What do you think of that deal today with Wilson going to the Denver Broncos? Not official yet. It's got to pass his physical. uh, And so it will be, though. And, you know, again, I, I think when you look at this division now, In the AFC West, it's like quarterback central. It's unbelievable. It really is. All right, let's get your reaction on this busy day. Jeff, I'll let you go first. How are you today? I'm pretty good, Grant. I am so happy for my 49ers that we don't have to see Wilson (laughs) twice a year now. Yeah. Everybody in the NFC West is happy. I mean, he always finds a way to beat the 49ers. I think we lost to him twice last year. Yeah, they do. They're not going to miss Russell Wilson. Uh, if you're a Niners fan, you're probably happier than the Broncos fans are today. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, it, uh, my neighbor is a Seahawks fan, and we always bet a 12 pack, and you know how that ends up. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, anyways, uh, yeah, so what's that leave in the NFC? That just leaves Stafford and Rodgers as, well, I guess you, maybe Prescott. I mean, as, uh, yeah, Prescott's not Prescott's not on that stage yet. I mean, okay. he proved that again in the playoffs this year. I can't put Dak Prescott, you know, in the upper tier of quarterbacks. I just can't. Uh, I, I think the guy's overrated. I've said right. that for a couple of years. Yeah, I, me too. Uh, so that's why I was saying, uh, but uh, so at least like two elites in the NFC and what, I mean, with uh, Burrow coming up, Allen, 
you know, the the AFC is stacked now with QB. Yeah, I, you know, to me, if you're Russell Wilson, going to the AFC is, is a little odd because you just mentioned it. You got Mahomes, you got Allen in Buffalo, you got Herbert. I mean, you look at what Burrow just did with the Bengals. This is going to be some conference for a couple of years to come. That's for darn sure. Right, right. Well, thank thank you, and uh, our, our Kings were pathetic against the Knicks the other night. Uh, yeah, last night. How bad was that? Seriously, how bad was that? Oh, my God. Just I mean, Randall was like, uh, free, let me just go to the, the hoop or do whatever the hell I want. And it seems like the Kings, if you want to have your high score the, of the year or your career, play the Kings. You know, how do you give up 83 points, Jeff, to a team that had lost 11 of 13? Think about that. The Knicks are in the middle of a disastrous season. They had just lost 11 of 13 games. They come into your building. They're no down 20. Time. They're down. Wait a minute. They're, that's right. They, they, they're down 20 points, and they end up winning by 16. I mean, that's an embarrassment. You know, it's not like the – you know, it's not like – 36 Yeah, I mean – Against a bad team. You know, it's one thing, you know, if you're playing the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors or, you know, an elite team, you're playing the Knicks for crying out loud. Um, it just, they, packed hey. it, they packed it in. The honeymoon was... No, the you see, they didn't pack it in. No, they didn't pack it in. That's the point I just wanted to make. The, Alvin Gentry is playing all of his regulars. He's got a set rotation. De'Aaron Fox played 41 minutes. Okay, Alvin Gentry makes it very clear before and after every game. He is trying to win. Uh, And listen, you think Alvin Gentry gives a damn about the Kings draft pick next year? He's not even going to be there. He doesn't care. I mean, Jesus Christ. What are they going to do for defense? Who can freaking play defense on that goddamn team? No one. Nobody. Doug Christie was a lockdown uh, for Adelman, you think he can coach some damn defense? You can't coach defense if guys don't want to play defense and don't know how to play defense. You know, Davion Mitchell is a guy that can play defense, but unfortunately, you know, he's too much, too too often a uh, liability on offense. So, but the Kings just defensively are pathetic. And uh, you know, you can say whatever you want about Monty McNair and the job that he has to do this offseason. I'm not really sure how you're going to fix that. I really don't. You have Fox, who's, you know, lets guys go by him. You have Sabonis, who's not a good defender. I mean, that's his weakness. I mean, he's very good in every other aspect. Not a good defender. What, what else are you going to do? Or you, you, you are going to have to. I, again, I, I'm lost. I'm at a loss for words, Jeff, and I'm not normally at a loss for words. I don't really know what Monty McNair is going to be able to do in the well, offseason to fix this you, team. What do you, What do you think about putting Holmes back in at the five? Put Sabonis. And, and the Barnes down there at the post. I mean, to me, I'm going to put my five best players on the floor for the most minutes every night and see what happens. That's, I mean, I know it's pretty elementary, but you know, you win with your best players on the floor, but you also have to have a combination of your best offensive team and a combination of your best defensive team. Unfortunately, the combination of your best defensive team is a combination that really only features two players. I don't really know how you're going to stop teams. I just don't see it. I think in two years, we're going to be uh, wishing we kept Halliburton because he's going to turn into a double-double, uh, occasional triple, you know, triple. And, well, you uh, got that already in Sabonis. Fun. Sabonis already is a double-double guy and already a two-time All-Star. You may be right. You may be right. You may look back and say, man, you know what? They shouldn't have traded Halliburton. But still, right now, Sabonis no, is a better I mean, player. I mean, I mean, I would have traded Fox instead of Halliburton. Yeah, but they don't want Fox. You can't trade somebody, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm a general manager and I'm calling you and I said, hey, you know, I need you to take the Aaron Fox and you say, no, we don't want Fox. I can't trade him to you. That's true. I think why, why would you want to why would you want to why would you want a point guard that's making a ton of money who right. can't shoot free throws? <laughs> three points, two, three. He thanks. Missed two, he missed two in a row the other night again. Two free throws in, in crunch time. I mean, they, he's I, not a good shooter. I mean, oh, my God, how many times has he got to miss the free throws when it comes down to the game? It's crazy. He, well, when you're 75% for a career, that means you're going to miss one out of every four. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate it. So how many times? He's going to miss one out of every four. And for a guy of his caliber to be anywhere below 80% is just unacceptable. It just is. It's unacceptable. And, you know, Fox has been playing offensively at a very high level since the bonus came over. However, okay, however, he still is erratic 
from three and at the free throw line. And the guy is finishing his fifth year. What, what do I think that De'Aaron Fox is going to come back next year for a sixth season and all of a sudden, you know, be a 80%, 85% free throw shooter? That's where he should be. He really should. He should be 85% from the line. He shouldn't be, you know, he should be in the 80s. I, I'm not going to ask him to be Mark Price or Steph Curry or Brent Berry in the 90s, but, you know, he, he should at least be at 80%. You know, I don't think that's asking too much. I mean, it really isn't. For a point guard in the NBA, you can't shoot, you can't make 8 of 10 from the line. Think about that for a minute. I'm asking a guy that's making over $30 million a year, I'm asking him to make 8 of 10 free throws, who's my quote-unquote elite guard, who is my quote-unquote leader. I'm asking him, just give me 8 of 10. You know, just give me 8 of 10. Yeah, we're not seeing that. And I, again, I... I don't I don't I don't know how Monty McNair is going to fix this. Jerry Reynolds said the same thing when he was on my podcast two weeks ago. What, what are you going to do? You're just going to hope that really good players say, oh, gee, you know, I want to come to Sacramento with terrible ownership and a team that has lost for 16 straight years because I'm I'm that type of guy and I want to change the fortunes of the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on. You know. All right. Let me know what you think. I want to hear from you. Hit your hand icon, and we will do it. Tomorrow, I have a conflict. I will be unavailable to do the show. I will be back with you on Friday. So no show tomorrow, but I will be back with you uh, on – I should say no show on Thursday. Uh, I will be with you on Friday. I'm getting all my days mixed up. So Wednesday, yes. Thursday, no. Friday, yes. All right? Don't worry. I'll figure this out one of these days. It's what happens when you get old. You don't even know what the hell day it is anymore. That 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 loss, that loss to the Knicks, was embarrassing. It, it's just embarrassing. Uh, there, there's just no other way to say it. Pathetic. How many times have I said that this year, this season? Embarrassing and pathetic. This team has no pride. They're gutless. They really are. They have no pride. You see any pride on this team? How many times have we talked after a game? And talked about no pride. There's no pride. None. Or, or very little. I mean, there are some guys that have pride. But there, there aren't enough. That's for damn sure. And I guess the, you know, the biggest issue is, here's the biggest issue I see with this team. There aren't enough guys in that locker room that hate losing. You have to hate losing more than you like winning. And there aren't enough guys in that locker room that hate losing. Just the way it is. Just the way it is. All right, I want to hear from you. Hit your hand icon. What do you think of Russell Wilson going to Denver? Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. Uh, Devontae Adams signs his tag. I mean, we, we all knew. No way Aaron Rodgers is going to Green Bay without Devontae Adams. And still, when you look at the NFC West, without even knowing what's going to happen in the draft, Without knowing anything else, the Green Bay Packers, to me, have a chance and a legitimate one to be the number one seed again. You know, they play in a bad division. The Lions stink. The Bears aren't very good. The Vikings are just like, really? So what do you think? You think the Packers, and then it all falls on Aaron Rodgers again in the postseason where he did not play well against San Francisco after a bye week. You know, I know we got a long way off. We got to see the schedule. There are injuries that you can't factor. You can't forecast. But I still think they're the team to beat coming out of the gate uh, in the NFC. So if you're just joining me, Russell Wilson is going to the Denver Broncos. Let's talk about that. Again, uh, 3 o'clock tomorrow, off Thursday, 3 o'clock Friday, all-time specific. Uh, my podcast today, I talked about dubious sports records. You know, it's interesting. So I went and Googled a lot of stuff because I just wanted to refresh my memory of some of the worst seasons of all time and worst streaks of all time. And you know that I couldn't find on a list anywhere the Kings 43-game road losing streak when Dick Motta was the coach? Think about that. You only play 41 a year. A lot of fans don't remember this. Well, first of all, a lot of fans weren't alive. That's how long it's been. 
43 straight road losses. And I remember being in Orlando when the Kings broke the streak. Reggie Theus was on the magic that day. And Jim Les had a big shot for Sacramento. And it was like the Kings had won the championship. Everywhere you went, like you'd go, you'd go into a city and you'd pick up the paper or you'd turn on the news at night and watch the sportscast and they would make fun of the Kings. Seriously. It would be like the circus is coming into town. And that's the year where the Kings had their first airplane called Airball One. You know, the Pistons were the first team, the bad boys, to have their own plane. And it was called Round Ball One. So when the Kings got their jet, it was called Airball One. And it was an old jet. And I used to sit in the cockpit a lot because I love flying. And I would sit in the jump seat. It was a very tight fit in the uh, Bach 111. How old was this plane? It actually had a cable going from the top of the nose to the tail. And that's how they moved the rudder on that plane. Think about that. They had a steel cable that went from the top of the cockpit to the tail section. All right. And that plane, the Kings had for the first year, the Kings went one and 40 on the road. And Dick Mata, who I sat right across for, from, remember, you, you know, there wasn't a lot of room on this plane. We're getting off the plane probably like 1.32 in the morning after the last road game. And he goes, man, damn good thing we had our own airplane this year. We may have gone 0-41. One of the best lines I've heard in all my years of being in the NBA. Think about that. 1-40 and and then 43 consecutive road losses. Can you imagine? Seriously, could you imagine being in that environment with 43 losses in a row on the road? You'd think that just by sheer luck that you would win a road game at some point, 43 in a row. So anyway, I talk about that on my podcast today and a lot more. Uh, check it out uh, if you don't like that. All right. want to hear from you. Raise your hand icon. I want to hear what you have to say about that just embarrassing loss. Again, to the Knicks, if you want to talk about Russell Wilson going to uh, the Broncos or any of your Arco Arena favorite memories. I'm going to do a podcast on this next week because it's next Saturday that they're having the availability, I guess is what you call it. I wouldn't really call it a celebration myself, but you can call it whatever you want. I was blessed to do the first ever game in that building. I was, uh, I remember being in the arena as a guest of Greg Lukenville with no roof on the building yet. And I remember the tractors and all the, we were standing in the dirt at about where center court would be looking up to the sky as they had the shell of the arena built. And I remember standing there just going, wow. Like it was a wow type of moment for me. I'd come from a really small town in Decatur, Illinois. And then, you know, basically a year later to be standing in an arena that I would be calling games in was like a fairy tale to me. I mean, it really was. Uh, and I'll never forget that day when the construction was going on. That, that was that was really a lot of fun back then. That was really a lot of fun. All right, why don't we get to uh, some more phone calls and we check in with Thomas. Hey, Thomas, good afternoon. How are you today, sir? Can you hear me? Oh, we just lost Thomas. We'll get, yeah, Thomas, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hey, quick comment. Good news is coming to you. So, um, great. Anyway, hey, um, memorable times at Arco. Um, I, the first one was we were driving to, we thought we'd get it at the arena really early when they were entering the playoffs with Seattle, right? So we get there. Oh, yeah. Open, we, we go in. Yep. And all of a sudden, people are just started standing and, clack, clack, and clapping probably about 40 minutes before they even came out of the tunnel. Okay. Yep. And then it continued and then it got louder. And then the minute they came out of the tunnel, the place was full and it just went on and on and on. That was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in, in a sporting Me too. event. 
Me yeah, too. Yeah. You'll hear it. Um, you'll hear it on my podcast next week. That is my favorite memory of the uh, the the legacy of Arco Arena. And you know, Thomas, you said something that was important when the Kings came out for their formal warmups. You know, that's about 17, 18, 19 minutes before the game. Every single person was already in their seat. Nobody was on the concourse. Nobody was on the concession line. Nobody was in the bathroom. Every seat was occupied. Of course, everybody was standing. That's the one thing I remember. Wasn't that amazing, Thomas, that there, the place was already full? It was. It, it was. And, you know, and, and, and we talked about it before, Grant, you know, where, you know, life is all about experiences. And my buddy and my who, that was our first year we got season tickets or second year. And we had, eight, we okay. had tickets all the way up for 18 years. But anyway, he was having a really tough time. Some really tragic things that happened to him. But, you know, like we talked about before, is that, you know, a sporting event is where a man or a woman can go, whether they're, they've gone through some tragic things in their life or like during after the Depression, you know, um, you know, like the pe- people would go and escape and go to a ball game where a man could go for three hours and not worrying about where his next meal is going to come from mm-hmm. is a great time. So that experience was just was just amazing to have those experiences like that. So um, and then the uh, the other uh, all time was um, when Bibby hit the I think it was four point nine seconds left. Uh, against the Lakers, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Game six. Game, game six. Oh, yeah. excuse me. Excuse me. Game five. Game five. Um, game five. Yeah, right. And then and then they lost that game six was the worst officiated game in NBA history, but it was game five. Weber set the screen, which was an illegal screen, but they're not yeah. going to call that in that situation. And Bibby hit the shot. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, because he took it out on the corner there. Bibby came around the elbow there and hit it. And we were right there. Um, and so... All I can remember is I've been to rock concerts, you know, during my seventies, you know, sure. And I was yelling at my buddy. We could not hear each other. It was the loudest thing I had ever heard. You couldn't even people screaming next to you. So that was, that was crazy. It was amazing. You know, those are, those are great memories, Thomas. I mean, how long were you a season ticket holder? Um, About 19 years. Okay. So, um, yeah. And then later on, you know, we just decided this, this isn't, it isn't going, we didn't want to go anymore, you know? So, and then the other, uh, time was at Arco is, uh, at halftime when my son was playing YBA basketball, right? Mm. He, um, they were the nine, 10 and 11 year olds. Right. And so they came out at, uh, they had a game and it was at halftime and, uh, these kids had grown up watching, the great, you know, the greatest show on earth, you know, uh, Jason Williams, right? Weber. Mm-hmm. And they got out there and they were imitating them. They were doing <laughs> behind the passes. They were hitting shots, three pointers, right? And the Kings yeah. were that night. And I think a couple of the players came out that night and they just looked around and I go, well, I think I think we need to hire some of these kids. <laughs> so, and the, and I love crowd, it. And the crowd was taken off. But, you know, it was just a great time. And it was just just an atmosphere that will never, ever happen again because nope. of the structure of the arena and, yep. um, and and your voice, you know, which was which was the best. And um, thank you. So anyway, but that, were, that you, were, were you were you at the old, were you at the old Arco ten thousand three thirty three? Had you gone to any games in that first no, uh, old building? No, I missed that one. Okay, that was pretty spectacular too. Yeah, 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 it was pretty great. Well, Thomas, I appreciate you. Thank you for those memories. And next week, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it Tuesday or Friday. I'll probably do it Friday, the day before the whatever you call it, the last uh, availability to go into that old barn. Uh, I'll give you my memories, but you hit on the one that game three in 96 against Seattle. And I've been blessed. I've been to a lot of big time sporting events. That was something that I will never, ever forget. I've never in all my life, Thomas, at any event anywhere, seen anything quite like that. Yeah. Oh, and then the last thing I forgot to tell you about was, was um, Mitch Richmond, you know, was, was in that. And Mitch Richmond, yes. 
um, after that game, well, his his kids, um, one of his kids went to a, a private school in Granite Bay, right? And two of my mm-hmm. kids were going there. So um, one night, uh, it was a parent night, and we had to sit in the back. I'd always sit back and talk to Mitch. And we're sitting in these chairs that are made for three-year-olds, right? And, <laughs> and so Mitch, so I was talking to him one night about the game and everything and he's saying yeah it was it was crazy but i remember him telling me he told me a story when he was against michael jordan at argentina and he said Mm -hmm. that michael came up to him and said you're the toughest guy after the game or whatever that you're one of the toughest guys i've ever played that's correct and michael jordan had told him that if, if anyone could match up you you play a lot like me and he gave him good words, and yep. he would just tell me story after story playing at Arco Arena. So that was anyway. well, Thomas. I got to tell you, I got one better for you. As great as Arco Arena was before the Bulls moved out of Chicago Stadium into the United Center, they won their first three championships at the old Chicago Stadium. My favorite game every year was the Kings at the Bulls at the old Chicago Stadium for one reason: to see Mitch Richmond go against Michael Jordan. And I will tell you, Thomas, as great as it was to be in Sacramento watching that duel, there was nothing anywhere like being in that old Chicago stadium with that energy, that atmosphere, Ray Clay with the introduction of the Bulls with Michael Jordan out of North Carolina. I'm going to tell you, those those games, and you only played once a year, that battle between Richmond and Jordan, epic. And it's a shame that so many fans in Sacramento weren't around to see those battles. They were incredible. And you're right about Jordan. He did quit credit Mitch Richmond for being the toughest guy to play against. Right. And what a shame. I mean, Mitch Richmond never really got the credit for his playing. You know what I mean? It was just lost. In, yeah. You know. Great yeah, guy. I thought it was great. I, I thought it was great. He's a great guy. I thought it was great the Kings retired his number. You know, so at least he got that honor. Um, but because you played in the same era – as Michael Jordan, and he was a two-guard, you were always playing second fiddle. But, you know, Mitch was an all-star. He was the MVP at the all-star game in Phoenix. You know, didn't get the playoffs as much as he would have liked, obviously. You know, run TMC in Golden State could have been something special. But Jerry Reynolds made a phenomenal trade when he traded Billy Owens uh, for Mitch Richmond and then, of course, Mitch for Webb. So, uh, yeah, but Mitch was – to watch Mitch Richmond play, you know what I love about Mitch? He was a two-way player. You don't see that very often, Thomas, in today's game. You know, we talk about De'Aaron Fox. We talk about some of these other guys. You know, as good as Fox is offensively, you got to bring it defensively. Mitch Richmond brought it offensively and defensively every night on every possession. And here's the other deal. The guy played hurt. Uh, he was always there for his team. Uh, he, he was great. He really was. Yeah. yeah, and last thing too, Grant, and thanks for bringing that up. That was great. But uh, we were down pretty low, and I remember – always when when jordan came in once you know once a year or whatever and he yep. would during the warm-ups he's just over there shooting baskets closing his eyes not fooling around not talking to anyone not kidding around you know joking around he he was just off getting in the zone that guy was dedicated and it ended up proving you know you don't see that anymore with that type of work you don't see no and that's you know they think there are a lot of fans i'm glad you brought that up you know there were a lot of fans that think great players are great because, you know, they were born like that. Obviously, they're born with some very good qualities. But in my experience of being at the arena hours before the game, the Larry Birds of the world, I've seen LeBron go through just incredible pregame workouts. Ray Allen used to come out every single game, every game all by himself, three hours before the game and go through his shooting routine. You know, and I've watched this year after year. The great players are, are great because yes they're gifted but you know what makes them great is they work harder than anybody else and michael jordan is that guy i'll tell you a story i did the games uh right before the the playoffs that you're talking about the previous years for a couple of seasons with Derek dickey Derek was a member of the 1975 golden state warriors championship game and Derek truly became uh one of my very best friends on life and unfortunately uh it was in, I think, 2001, he passed away after a debilitating stroke. But Derek, after he left Sacramento and doing the games with me, went to Chicago and did the games on radio with Neil Funk. And Derek told me this story that the Bulls had a game in Chicago, and the next night they were in Orlando 
And, you know, a back to back. So by the time you get to the airport, fly out. Derek says they got to the airport or they got to the hotel in Orlando at like 2.30 in the morning. And Derek was an early riser. And Derek always had to have his cup of coffee and always read the paper. And Derek told me that he was in the lobby at 8.30 in the morning. Now, remember, there's a game that night against Orlando. He was in the lobby at 8.30 in the morning, drinking his coffee, reading the paper. And Michael Jordan walks through the lobby with his personal trainer on his way to a workout. Early morning, after a game, with a game that night. You want to talk about work ethic? You would never right. see that in this day and age. Right. Exactly. Yep. 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 It's, uh, it was a great time. So, well, anyway, Grant, um, we'll be talking to you soon. And um, Thank you, Thomas. All right. We'll talk to you hey, soon. Hey, thank you. you. Yep. Great call. That was great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, think about that. That game, that game three in the 96 playoffs. I had Olden Polonies, who was the starting center on that team. And I had OP on. And he said the same thing. I had him on, what was it, three months ago? You can look it up. if. You, and we talked about that. And he, you know, OP's been with a lot of teams and a lot of situations, he said the same thing as Thomas just did. Never seen anything like it there. And if you're listening now and you know, you weren't lucky enough to be in that arena for that game three in 96. Again, I'm blessed. I'm, I've been to a lot of great events. I've been to phenomenal sporting events. I've never experienced anything quite like that. And Thomas was exactly right. The ovation happened well before the Kings even came out onto the floor for the warm-ups. And when they did, it was unbelievable. And the only thing that stopped the ovation for about two minutes was the national anthem because it was a nationally televised game. And so the time clock was different. Normally, you play the anthem after the horn sounds and... They didn't have the starting lineups and they didn't for national TV. They don't want to waste the, that time. So they do the anthem before national TV comes on the air. And that is the only thing that stopped that ovation that night was the playing of the national anthem. And it was a great game. The Kings lost, but that was a phenomenal, phenomenal game. Eight seed Sacramento, number one seed uh, Seattle. In 96. That was great. You know, and again, next week, I think I'll probably do it on Friday. Next Friday, I will have that uh, podcast. Hey, speaking of my podcast this Friday, uh, Mike Pereira, the NFL on Fox, is going to join me. And we're going to talk to Mike about a lot of things. I'm going to ask him his take on Troy Aikman going to ESPN, what it was like working so closely with those two guys, Aikman and Buck. And I'm going to talk to him about the problems that we're having in this country with lack of officials, particularly on the youth level. You know, high schools, junior highs, and uh, I'm going to ask Mike what can be done uh, to fix that. Mike's been one of my favorite guys. You know, Mike lives in Sacramento, and uh, just the nicest man you could ever want to meet. I don't know anyone that doesn't like Mike Pereira. Uh, the guy's a great guy. So that's going to be coming up on my podcast on Friday uh, if you don't like that. 3 o'clock tomorrow, off Thursday, 3 o'clock Friday. Let me hear from you. Uh, hit your hand icon if you have any Arco Arena memories or if you want to talk about Russell Wilson going to Denver, uh, we will do that. All right. Happy to talk about anything you want, a variety of topics right here on Listen App. All right. We've got uh, Robbie who's joining me now. Hello, Robbie. How are you? Good. How are you, Grant? 
Good, man. What's going on today? Well, I just want to share a memory from the good old barn. I think it was 2004 against Minnesota in the playoffs. The details are a little hazy because of the, you know, tailgate in the parking lot. But for some reason, <laughs> I don't remember the reason why. But um, um, there was a foul committed, I think, on Minnesota. And then they had to choose somebody to shoot free throws. That's correct. And I That's always correct. loved Jabari Smith. And then so they sent Jabari up there because they didn't think he could make anything. And he hit yep. both of those and the place went crazy. Yep. Yep, I remember that. That's a great, great memory. Um, that was the series that Anthony Peeler got suspended, could not play in Game 7, and uh, Rodney Buford had to start that game, and uh, the Kings were down. They came from behind. They had the ball for a final possession, and Weber missed a three that was shot right in front of me as I was broadcasting the game, and I swear I thought that ball was going in. I'll tell you what else was I'll never forget about that series. After the game... We get on the bus and we go to the airport. Now, we had our bags packed. We were going to Los Angeles to play the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals or we were flying home. And I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget this. We're at this old aviation shack getting ready to get on the plane and we're waiting in line inside because, you know, it's freezing to even though it was the spring. It's still very cold. And they had a coffee machine and a popcorn machine in this general aviation terminal. And Peja went and got a cup of coffee. I was in the back of the line and Vladi also. And Vladi is next to me and he goes, that's it. It's over. And I'm like, what do you mean it's over? He goes, that's it. We're done. It's over. I'm like, what's over? He goes, we're over. We're done. We're never going to win. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's over. It's done. Trust me. And, and that was the last game that Vladi ever played for the Kings. That was the end of an era. Okay, that was it. And I'll, and I'll never, ever forget Vladi telling me that when he said, we're done. That's it. It's over. It's finished. We had a great ride, but it's over. And I, I just was like, and, he, and you know, he, he said that based on Chris Weber and his knee. Uh, Weber was never the same when he came back after that. Uh, microfracture surgery. He said that because I think deep down in his heart, he knew he was leaving and he didn't tell me that, but I, I think in retrospect, he knew he was gone, but I'll never forget that. I, I got numb in the line and I got on the plane and I just could not believe that the greatest six years that any fan or any broadcaster or any person could have experienced with that team. And it was done. And I knew it before we even had the plane up in the air, leaving Minneapolis from Sacramento. And Vladi was right. That was it. It was over. Well, and it's just hard to believe that after that, who would have thought that it would have been yep. 16 yep. years of futility? Yep. Well, they did make the playoffs uh, for two more years after that. They had Ron Artest. They had Kevin Martin. But they they lost in – or maybe one more year. Rick went to the playoffs eight years in a row. So it actually would have been two more years. They, but they lost in the first round each year. So, you know, again, that, that was the end of the era, no doubt about it. Yeah. I did have one more memory of Arco. Um, yeah. The night that we closed it out, um, we hung around, me and my wife, my two boys, we hung around for a while in the arena, and then we were one of the last few people to go out. And then we were out there by the door, just kind of saying goodbye, and Jerry Reynolds walked out. So mm-hmm. we got to talk with him for five or six, seven minutes, and then we walked down the, you know, down the path with him to leave the old barn, and that was quite the night. How about that memory? Well, will you go back next weekend or not? I don't think so. Um, like, like you've been saying, like we, we had our our goodbye that night, and yep, just that was. Kind of close out yeah, why change why, why change that memory? You have a great memory. I mean, gosh, you're walking, you're talking to the legendary great Jerry Reynolds for the last time. You that's that should be your final memory of that place. I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, so I miss the old place, but well, there we are. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Robbie. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, Grant. Good stuff. Thank you. Good stuff right there. All right. If you want to chime in with your memory, we can do this for you know the next couple of days. I'm I'm fine with that. I mean because. Everyone's got different memories. You might have a memory of a high school graduation or a religious event or the concerts. You know, I remember, as I said, you too being at that concert. I remember being at the Whitney Houston concert. 
on New Year's Eve. I don't even know what year that was. And I, it was obviously probably around 90, give or take a year or two. You know, Elton John and Billy Joel playing for three hours. You know, um, one of the best concerts I went to was when Kenny G was playing with Peebo Bryson at Orco. And that, to this day, was just absolutely spectacular. But, I mean, think about all of the great events. Think about the NCAA tournament that came to Sacramento for the first time, right? Allen Iverson playing in that building. Think about the high school championship with Jason Kidd playing and winning a state championship in that building, right? Think about that. Think about the high school tournaments, the state championship in that building and how many tremendous players played high school basketball right there. Think about Ryan Anderson from El Dorado Hills and Oak Ridge High School who has many times been on my show and talked about growing up idolizing Vladi and Peja and Webb and Bibby and that that was instrumental in him and his love for basketball and ending up in the NBA. It's a great story. I remember Amy Brooks, who now works for the NBA, and Amy telling the story of being a little girl growing up in Sacramento and being inspired by the Kings, being inspired to play basketball and she made a career out of basketball now she's one of the highest ranking officials in the nba so there's some great stories that you don't even know about that happened because of that building and the foresight of greg lucanville and i've talked to greg about that you know he was on my podcast about a year ago without greg lucanville this would have never happened you think the nba would have come to sacramento without greg lucanville hell no not a freaking chance. You know, you know what Greg Lucanville did was, well, I mean, beyond amazing. And it's a shame that the 30 for 30 down in the Valley never premiered on ESPN because all of that was chronicled, <clears throat> excuse me, very well by Jason Hare, the director. And the video of the first night ever in Sacramento at the old, old Arco and the video from a helicopter where there was nothing, nothing around the Thomas, nothing. I mean, really nothing. You know, there was one way in and one way out, you know, Northgate Boulevard and then boom, you're right there. And David Stern getting caught in traffic and, you know, letting the, I think it was the police that, hey, I'm the commissioner of the NBA and I need to get to the arena and it needs an escort. Because the traffic was backed up like you can't believe. Because, again, couldn't get there. There's just basically one way in and one way out. That was incredible. That 30 for 30, it is such a shame. It really is such a shame that so many people did not see it. I had a chance to see it for the first time at the Tribeca Film Festival in April of that year. And then, you know, they had a, a couple of showings at the Crest Theater in downtown Sacramento. And then a week before the premiere, boom. ESPN pulled the plug uh, because I think it was the dead spin, bogus, ridiculous, uh, uh, just attack on Mayor Kevin Johnson. Never charged for anything. Never. I mean, it's just, you know, again, we talk about this country. It's uh, it's unbelievable. It really is. It's just absolutely unbelievable. All right. Let's get to some more calls. And it's Jerry. Jerry, good to hear from you today. How are you, sir? I'm fine, sir. How are you? Good. What can I do for you? Hey, Grant. So if nothing ever happened with the Kevin Johnson uh, thing, so why wouldn't ESPN release that 30-30? I mean, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't understand either. We've asked uh, many people. We've asked the director, Jason Hare. Um, he's heartbroken that it never aired. He put uh, his heart and soul and a lot of work uh, into that. I've got to be very good friends with Jason Hare. Uh, when I go to New York, we get together and go to lunch. Uh, he was on my podcast. And we've talked about that, and it's one of his biggest disappointments. He obviously had it replaced by The Last Dance. He directed the 10-part series uh, of The Last Dance. He did the whole thing. 
and but but not having the last dance on ESPN was was really uh, crushing for him because he loved doing that story. Well, Grant, let me ask you. So, is there any any like uh, like YouTube anything you can get on there and no. watch that or oh, okay. no? Okay. Nope. I know Carmichael Dave one night a couple of years ago uh, streamed it on I think Twitter or one one of the apps I can't even remember what it was and he did it without telling anyone and then you know people found out about it and started going to it and I think he got his hand slapped for doing that he didn't get in too much trouble but you know I don't I don't think I don't think he can do it again he's got a hard copy of it um, I do too actually I, I, I got to find out where it is but uh, you're dealing with copyright law and everything else so you got to be very careful about that stuff well, Grant, let me ask you. Uh, well, he, you know what? Just let me tell you uh, that you know. Thank you, Kevin Johnson, because he's the one that kept the Sacramento oh. Kings here. And uh, you're damn right. I could not thank him enough for that. So you know, you're sir, damn thank right. You. With it. thank you, appreciate it. You be good. Have a good evening. Take care. He's exactly right about that. You know, without Kevin Johnson, uh, we're not having this discussion. You know, and David Stern's relationship with Kevin Johnson. And the fact that the mayor of Sacramento at that time happened to be a former uh, NBA star was the driving force to keep the Kings in Sacramento. Make no mistake about it. You know, everything had to fall in place perfectly. And David Stern being the commissioner and Kevin Johnson being the mayor made it happen. Made it happen. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's very true, Jerry. Think about that. What a phenomenal fight that was. You know, it lasted a couple of years. And, you know, as, as bad as the Kings are now, you know, you have a beautiful facility. You got Doko. I don't think anyone, myself included, could have envisioned the Kings being worse and worse every year. But that's where we're at. And I hate to sound negative all the time, I don't know how it's going to get better. I really don't. Barring a grand slam home run in the draft, I don't know. I don't see it. I really don't. You got two years left to fix it, or Sabonis may very well just say sayonara. He may take off. You know? He just may very well take off. All right. Let's get to uh, some more calls right here on Listen Up. If you want to come on with me, all you do is raise your hand. And I will put you up on stage with me, and then we can chat. All right, let's get to uh, Eddie. Hello, Eddie. Welcome to the show today. Hey, Grant. How are you today? Good, good, Eddie. What's going on? Hey, um, so I, I left uh, California a couple of years ago, and uh, I don't know what's going on with uh, Arco, um, but I do remember my boss. I, I moved to uh, Sacramento 99, and my boss had right. season tickets, and it was really, really cool, and uh, I do specifically remember a night, I think it was the last game, and you, you were on TV and you were really upset that it could be the end. And, right, uh, yep. That summer, I heard that fall, I remember, um, they ended up uh, saving the team, and I said, at that point, I'm getting season tickets. So I got season tickets. I had it for seven years, and um, it was really, really cool being there for that last game. And it's just a, a huge amount of memories. I wish the team was better towards the end and even yep. uh, when they got down to Doko. But uh, I really – Arco is going to have a really special place in my heart. Are they are they carrying it down? Is that what's going on out there? Yes, that's correct. Yes. So uh, a week from Saturday, they're having basically a, an availability, you know, a celebration, call it whatever you want, a chance for fans to go in there for the last time and take pictures and everything. I'm sad. I mean, Doko is cool, but Arco, there, there's no replacement for Arco. No, you know, I went through it. Uh, I hate to compare Arco Arena to Yankee Stadium, but when they tore down Yankee Stadium, I was just crushed. I had so many great memories in there. And when they tear down Arco, I'm going to be crushed too because I've got so many great memories in there. Plus, you know, my, my kids basically grew up in that building. They were both babies. You know, just, a, you know, my one son was one month old. When he, when he went to uh, his first game, and he works for the Kings now and loves it, and my youngest son was four months old when he went into the arena for the first time, and they grew up. That's what they knew, and so I'm, I've got a lot of personal memories in addition to great memories of announcing games in there. Yeah, and you you were great at announcing. That was 
Thank you. It was it was really special to be able to be a fan of the Kings and a fan of you. Um, do you mind if I Thank switch you. gears a little bit? No, go right ahead. So, I, I don't want to get rid of Garoppolo, but I know he's 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 got a lot of money on the cap. Um, do you think with these signings today, and the trade and the uh, the signing with with Green Bay, um, do you think that's going to do anything for Garoppolo's um, uh, lack of a better term his his worth? On the trademark? Not, no, I, I know there are teams that are interested in Garoppolo that are looking for a veteran quarterback. So, no, I don't think it's going to impact that. You know, he did have shoulder surgery, but they expect him to be throwing before the, you know, 4th of July. Um, I think Garoppolo could be a perfect fit with a couple of teams that are ready to win right now, like Tampa. I think Tennessee, if they decided to move on from Ryan Tannehill, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo would be ideal and perfect in Tennessee. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm just giving you teams where I think he could really prosper. Uh, that's the next big thing, Eddie, on the radar for the 49ers is Garoppolo. Yeah, and I'd hate to see him go. It's another heartbreak. But I know. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. But hey, thank and, you know, Trey Lance, and, Eddie, uh, Eddie, Tra- yeah. th- Eddie, hang on a minute. You know, Trey Lance may be that guy. He may be a, a, a real super player, but he's not yet. And I, I made this comment, and I would love to know what your opinion is being a 49ers fan. I think if Trey Lance is the starting quarterback week one for the 49ers, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year. I really don't. And I, that doesn't mean he won't be very good someday. May even be you know, great, but I don't think it's going to be next season. I really don't. And, and I don't either. I'm not. Uh, I'm like you. I'm not a fan of the of the. Um, I'm a pocket pocket passer quarterback fan. Yep. And uh, me too. It's just I, I think uh, the flashiness sells tickets, um, but the flashiness does not win championships. I don't think most of I the time. I mean, Mahomes is pretty flashy. He is. But you're right. He, I'm with you. But he's special. He's special. Yes, he is. He's um, special with a capital yeah. S. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, hey Eddie, you, you have a I thank it. you, man. I really appreciate it. You have a good one, all right. Thanks for your kind words. Yeah. Good. Yep. Good stuff from Eddie right there. All right. Hey, if you want to come on the program, uh, just hit your hand icon, raise your hand, and we will do it again. Three o'clock tomorrow, off Thursday. Three o'clock on Friday, right here on Listen App. Mike Pereira, the NFL on Fox on Friday's podcast. Then a week from Friday, I'll do a podcast of our Arco memories. That should be a lot of fun. That should be a lot of fun. We'll do that uh, coming up a week from Friday. I might even, let me give it some thought. I might even do that live on no filter. I need to think about this uh, because I would love to get a podcast with your memories. And then I can take the video, put it on YouTube, and then I can sh- put the audio version on my podcast platform. So I, I might do that. Uh, let me give that some thought. But it's going to be uh, a week from Friday. So I've got time to think about logistically how it would work. Because I really want it, I want it to be memorable. I want, but, I, you know, my memories might be different than your memories. I mean, Thomas, when he called, you know, his memory and mine are in sync. I, that's, that was the greatest memory of being in that building. And you no, know, it was interesting that Thomas said that as well, but your memory might be different than mine. You know, just hearing about, you know, the Minnesota series and Jabari coming off and making two free throws. And, you know, everyone's got things that stick out to them. Maybe taking their son or daughter to a game for the first time and seeing their joy or whatever, you know, maybe you proposed to your significant other, at the game and you were on the big screen and I mean, think about it, right? Think about how many different memories there were in that building and your memory could be completely different than mine or your favorite memory could be something that I've never even thought of. And it doesn't have to be with the Kings. It could be with the Monarchs, you know, who won a championship, right? Could have been when the Sacramento had an arena football league team for a year. It could have been watching the Sharks play the Canadiens in preseason hockey. There were some exhibition NHL games in that building, right? I mean, you know, we can go on and on. We can go on and on. There are a lot of things that strike people 
and what they loved at Arco Arena, a building that opened in November of 1988. Andy, I've got you up on stage. You got to hit your microphone icon, and when you do, there you go. Hey, Andy, how are you? Hey, what's up, Grant? Uh, What's going on? uh, A few uh, Arco memories by you, real quick. Uh, I remember the first Kings Gang, uh, Kings game I went to. I think it was 2001, and uh, we played like I was like 18 or 19, and we paid about 110, 120 bucks for the tickets, which you know back then was a lot of money. And we sat uh, maybe 15 rows behind the visitors' bench, and they played the Raptors. And I remember my jaw just being on the floor the whole game watching Vince Carter. That's the most athletic player I've ever yep. seen in my life. Pretty and amazing, I, wasn't I remember, he? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my eyes were on him the whole game. And, uh, <laughs> right. The second game that comes to my mind is when, uh, I don't know if it was 2010, but when uh, the Heat had LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. And that was a hot ticket. Uh, you know, because they only came into town one time. And we had the very last row behind one of the baskets. And that was the first and the last time I would ever sit up there. Uh, we couldn't see a thing. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if the nosebleeds are like that everywhere else, but in Arco, they were horrible. Yeah, and, uh, I'm with you. The last one I wanted to share, uh, it was on an Easter Sunday maybe in 2006 or seven and uh we got free tickets uh they were uh behind one of the baskets i believe the one with the tunnel and uh like i tried to talk to jim crandall he didn't want to have anything to do with us i tried to talk to jerry he didn't want to have anything to do with us i think this was at halftime and the one guy who did was Coz. and Coz came over asked us all how we were doing shook all our hands and uh, just Coz, besides you, is my favorite person in the Kings organization. Well, was. But uh, just wanted to share those few memories. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks very much for chiming in. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you. All right, put him back in the audience. We got some more calls to get to. And we bring uh, Jerry back up onto the stage. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Grant. Uh, I'm sorry. You might be uh, getting tired of hearing about me. Uh, you know, I just had, you know, what you said that Jimmy, uh, that Trey was not ready to uh, to uh, get into the starting. But, you know, what? in my how, opinion, but. Right. Um, how is he supposed to get ready when they're not giving him a chance to play, Grant? I mean, I don't understand. Well, I'm not at practice. So, I mean, they, the 49ers organization may have a completely different opinion than I do. I'm just based on I'm basing that on talking to people, uh, a guy that didn't play college football for 22 months before he came into the NFL, then had very limited action last year. And I'm supposed to think that a guy with very little experience is now going to step on the field and just all of a sudden start winning. See, I guess the way I would answer this question, Jerry, the 49ers are too good to wait on a quarterback to learn how to play. And I know that you make a good point. You only get better by, by playing, but, you know, Sean Salisbury made this comment to me uh, a week or two ago when we were doing the no filter show. And he thinks that the 49ers will have a starting quarterback week one whose name is not Trey Lance, meaning that they he feels they'll bring in a veteran quarterback who might just play the first couple of games and then Lance will get in there. But there's another aspect of Lance that makes me nervous, Jerry, that his style is not conducive to staying on the field long. I'm a little nervous about his health. Uh, and him being able to be effective with the way he runs and the way they're going to run the offense. So those you, you're going to need a veteran quarterback one way or another, Jerry. You're going to need a veteran quarterback to either back up Lance because he's probably going to end up getting hurt at some point, and you need a guy that you know can play, or you need a guy that you know you can play who's pretty good right now. Like I, I, I'm just using this as an example, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick and what he's done when he's bounced around. It seems like wherever he's gone, they've had a young quarterback waiting in the wings and he's been the guy until that quarterback took over. We saw it in Miami with Tua. You know, there's been other instances where Fitzpatrick did the same thing. I just could see that type of scenario unfolding in San Francisco. Maybe wrong, Jerry, but I could see that happening. Well, okay, Grant, let me ask you this. Uh, do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo can get him over that hump? Not just making NFC Championship games, 
making one one Super Bowl appearance. I mean, he already did. He already got him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but can he, he get was, him over? Can he get him? Over I don't. That hump? You know, I I I can't answer that question um, because he had a chance against Kansas City and did not play well in the fourth quarter. You know, missing George Kittle a couple of times, but. You know, the defense, which was the best defense in the NFL that year, also led Kansas City, you know, with half of the fourth quarter, manhandle them and move the ball up and down the field. So, you know, is Garoppolo good enough to get the team the Super Bowl? Yeah, because he's already done it. Can he get one more win? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know that question any more than you do, Jerry, because you, you don't know until you do it. So do you think that uh, Trey, could he open up an offense more? Could he get that yes. ball? Yes that the Niners need downfield. Yes. You have the weapons to do that. Yes, of course he could. There's no question. He could. I just don't think he can do it this year consistently enough. But yes, for his career, absolutely. That's why the 49ers gave up as much as they did to draft him. Yes, I do think he can be that guy. But I don't think he can be that guy this year. I just think the growing pains will be significant enough that it will cost the 49ers a couple of games. You know, listen, the nice thing, Jerry, we might find out, and I might be wrong, but I'm just trying to give you my best case guess on what I think is going to happen in the fall with the 49ers. I love your show, Grant. You keep up the good work, buddy. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate it. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, if you want to get in on the show, uh, all you got to do is hit your hand icon and we can do it. Listen, I'm not down on Trey Lance. I don't want to make it sound like I don't think the guy can be a good quarterback. I just don't think he can be that effective right off the get-go with this team. And I'm also concerned with the style of play being able to stay healthy or not. That is a big concern. Of course, you could say the same thing about Garoppolo. Brian, you're on with Grant. Hi, Brian. Hey, Grant, just chiming in on the uh, Trey Lance conversation. Uh, yeah. Given the what we saw of him this year, he looked like, and I don't know if it was just because he was such a newbie and, you know, lack of knowledge of the playbook, he looked like a run-first quarterback. And I'm never a fan of run-first quarterbacks and hope hope they can develop into a passer. I'm more than neither. where I want my – I have no problem with running given, you know – the, the, the option and the, the ability to run, you know, the type like Russell Wilson, you know, even to a degree, once he figured it out, of course, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. And if that's the type of quarterback that they're hoping he can be, okay, I get it. But if it's the opposite, like uh, I would say even like Lamar Jackson, that's not the type of guy I personally want for the long haul. And I haven't seen enough about, of him to know that. Uh, certainly the 49ers do. And, they sure gave up a lot. So as a Niner fan, I sure hope it's the uh, the pass first and have the option to run. And if it's not, then I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the way he ran in those that game, couple games, he's just bound yep. to get hurt by, you know, week five. I agree. I just don't see the longevity uh, with the style of football that he plays. It's going to ha- he's going to have to change the way he plays, in my opinion. Do you know enough? Is Is that his style or was it more? Yes. Lack of knowledge of that's the, why they the, no. No, they wanted that. They wanted a run pass option quarterback. That's what they wanted. That's why they drafted him. That's and they loved his arm. I mean, he does have a phenomenal arm. I mean, everybody can see oh, that. Yeah. But you also yeah, yeah. But you also have to be accurate with your arm, and that will come with experience. I think the guy's ceiling is very very high. I really do, Brian. I just don't know if that ceiling is going to be high enough for the team to get into the playoffs this year. 
Yeah, yeah, time will tell on that one. Anyhow, just wanted to chime in because, uh, uh, you know, the pr- prior call, you know, uh, you, you know, wanted to chime in with my thoughts on that as well. We'll see. Yep. Hey, Brian, good hearing from you, man. Have a good evening. Yeah, yeah, you too. All right, thanks. That's the great thing about being a sports fan, right, and rooting for a team. If you're a 49ers fan, you're praying and hoping that Trey Lance is going to be that guy. And he may very well be. I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to be critical of the guy. I just don't see it happening this particular year. I think it's unlikely. I really do. M- maybe he has a hu- huge uh, period of growth in the offseason and with training camp and moving into the season. Maybe he does. Maybe being around Garoppolo for one year and being in the system and now being comfortable with everything, maybe that's enough to put him on that course. And if you're a 49ers fan, uh, you better hope so. You better hope so. All right, so tomorrow, 3 o'clock, Thursday I'm off, Friday 3 o'clock, Friday on my podcast, Mike Pereira, the NFL on Fox. Been a lot of fun today. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your support here on Listen App. And until tomorrow, Grant Napier saying so. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply